Welcome to the Cultured Magazine podcast, Points of View, bringing you intimate interviews with creative leaders reflecting on their personal journeys and their visions for the future. I'm your host, Sienna Fiquette. In this month's episode, I sat down with musician, singer, and songwriter Charlotte Day Wilson. We get into her unshakable drive and dedication to her craft, being on her alpha tour, carving out space for herself as a queer woman in the music industry, and her dedication to creating more accessible art spaces and paying that forward to her community. Welcome, Charlotte. I'm so excited and honored to have you be my guest this month. How are you doing? I'm good, and I'm honored to be here as well. (laughs) Yay. Um, So I know you're on tour right now, if um, listeners aren't aware. So where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from my hotel in Oakland. (laughs) Amazing. And how was the show last night? What was the energy like? It was really good. It was cute. It was like, it was, I think, a little bit more of an intimate um, venue, but the Mm -hmm. crowd was really cute. It was like a lot of emotional faces looking back at me. It was really sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, I can speak to this uh, because I got to see you live at uh, Music Hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn and just how amazing that experience was just so intimate really able to connect um you know in a room here here a set and you kind of spoke to you know the beauty of being able to tour again you were like i've been like sitting on this waiting to do this again um so yeah how can you tell me a little bit about that experience how it's been being on the road again being in a room full of um full of fans yeah um i think for me like i i like most musicians, I mean, maybe not most musicians. For me, I did start making music by playing live and like jamming and playing with friends. And I think like, you know, the way that the industry has kind of like shifted in the way that my career has shifted, it's like way more of a solitary practice a lot of the time where you're like Mm -hmm. recording alone and like, you know, I'm a solo artist. So I do a lot of like my production alone and then I do all the interviews and then I do everything like in this like weird Mm -hmm. solo you know solo thing and so like getting back to a place of playing with a band again and playing live and for people I don't know it just felt really good and especially yeah after the pandemic of um not being able to like I wasn't even making music with other people I wasn't collaborating so like it was yeah it just felt really good to it feels amazing to be back in a space with people again yeah has there been any uh particular standout moments along the tour like any yeah I don't know (laughs) yeah I would say um my show in Dallas was like extremely emotional because Mm. I had this moment where I was like, I don't know why we're in Texas. I don't want to be in Texas right now. I Mm -hmm. never like going to Texas. I, you know, I don't feel comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And, and then we went to the show and like, as soon as I got on stage and I saw the people who came to the show, I was like, oh my God, actually this space is really important for them. And, and the music and then just their faces and the people who were occupying that space, like they just made me so emotional. Like I, I couldn't, I honestly mm. couldn't contain myself. I was crying like during the whole set because they were oh, crying. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was pretty amazing. It was really special. Wow. That's powerful. That's such a good point too. Cause obviously for many reasons, like, you know, in terms of your yeah safety and self-preservation, like I can 
I can imagine that, yeah, some stops along a tour would be, I don't know, give you apprehension, but that's actually really powerful that you were like, this is so needed for this community in the city right now. And I'm going to play this fucking set. And like, it was emotional for you as well. Like it was totally that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, It was really special. That's amazing to hear. Going back a little bit into Alpha, I am so curious why the name Alpha, um, since this is the Alpha tour. And I was listening to another interview that you did with, I don't know, Fade or something, where you were like, it's so funny. People see Alpha and automatically think I'm talking about myself. Like, I'm this Alpha, like, you know, bad bitch character, like, whatever. But it's actually, I don't know, I'll let you explain it in your own, in your own words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like, it's funny because it, I'm starting to feel like maybe that title has like, the meaning for it, the meaning for me has evolved a little bit as I've like gone on tour and like been, been able to maybe like a little bit step into this like alter ego when I go on stage that does feel a little bit alpha, but for the most part, for the most part, um, the title was more just like, uh, me trying to like quite directly and immediately reference like the queer community that, Mm -hmm. because it's a, it is a term that like me and my friends use in our like lesbian community of like a certain type of, person a certain type of lover Mm. um and um yeah for me it was more about people that I was singing about rather than me interesting me as the alpha but I think like I was trying to maybe like talk about the um you know most of my music is about love and relationships and I think a lot of the time my struggles within those relationships are often like a a bit of a power struggle, like whether it's um, whether it's obvious that that's what the issue is or not. I think that like a lot of the time when I try and boil it down, that's what it comes down to. Mm, that's so beautiful. I feel like I'm like peeling back the layer of the sticker. I'm like, oof. Also, yeah. too, just like that's so funny because that like term and not like alpha like I feel like like slang wise colloquial wise like I never hear that in New York so that's so interesting Uh, that it's like a Toronto uh colloquialism like and I know this is a thing because I have quite a few friends who are Canadian and they'll say like still or they'll say like oh "Oh," like and I'm just like what is that what what is that (laughs) yeah what is this slang yeah Interesting. Speaking, I mean, I don't know. We could go on and on about this, but obviously as a queer woman in the music industry, a space that is heavily a boys club, heavily a space that's dominated by men. um, How, I mean, how have you navigated this environment? And I feel like it's so central to your, your practice and your ethos as an artist to, you know, center queer artists, center femme artists, center, you know, just your community and really reflect that. Like I'm thinking too, to um, all of your music videos, which feel incredibly intentional about who's represented um, and in that storytelling. So I don't know if you could just speak a little bit to, yeah, finding, um, finding ways to navigate this toxic industry (laughs) with intention and clarity. Yeah. I think um, the first like four years of my career were really spent um 
surrounded by men in in the music industry, whether it was like my team or like the peers that I had um, who were like other artists making music that I was kind of like an influence and whatever by. And that was a really important time for me. And like, I really value all of the men who were around me at that time. And they were like really important for my me establishing myself. And I think in some ways, like I couldn't have done it actually without those men um, because of the way that, you know, the industry was set up and, and the way that I needed to like get my footing in it. And I think I knew that. I think I knew that I needed to like kind of stick out those years and just be be the token girl in the room for like a <laughs> right. few years but right. you know I've gotten to this place now in my career where um I have established myself you know I still have a lot of work to do but I'm not I'm not new anymore and I think you know I have enough of a platform now to be able to um surround myself around the people who I actually want to be around which again isn't to say that like those artists and peers that I've that, that I've had, you know, since the beginning of my career aren't just as valuable or in value right. now. They still are, but it's just I think like the yeah, the the way that I just feel much more comfortable and at ease around the like women and queer people that um that I'm able to be around in the industry and just kind of like and the people that I've chosen to like bring bring on tour with me and things like that like yeah kind of it it really you know it makes a huge difference to my my comfort level and makes me feel like it's I don't know more fun to be honest like I just like I'm yeah I'm just way way more at ease um yeah a hundred percent yeah um so it's really nice it doesn't feel like this like uh, you know, the music industry doesn't feel like this big, scary behemoth to me anymore because I know that I can actually just now navigate it the way that I want to because I've right. done a lot of the groundwork that was, you know, it was necessary. But um, yeah, I don't know if this really makes sense. I'm trying to no, like, it makes 100% okay. sense. Like the sense of having autonomy to choose and hire your own teams to yeah. surround yourself with people who completely get the vision. Yeah, which is probably yeah. something I could have done from the beginning as well, but I didn't see that path and I saw the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people that I needed, you know, to like... No, that's real. You know, and it kind of like, not to sound like, you know, I am <laughs> used, that I used people, but it was just kind of like there were certain figures in my in my grasp that I could... That 100%. I could, that in my reach that I could like use and 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 be able to... Yeah, I say I don't know. It's no, no. It's it's okay. it's like the thing of paying it forward and having <clears throat> perhaps the you know the guys that were initially working with you being you know perhaps really incredibly supportive and like understanding that like they were at a privilege point you know being men in the industry in the music industry mm-hmm. and yeah and also I mean. I'm like I have a million questions, but I also feel like mm-hmm. this is so true to you. Like okay doing all my research you won this award for a music video that you did that was tied to hold on the prism prize that was Mm -hmm. tied to a grant and from the money that you won from winning that prize you created a special grant program for emerging female video directors which is amazing and so again I think it's speaking to this thing of like I'm in this position now how do I pay this forward how Mm -hmm. do I you know how do I 
create make this bigger make this a platform like amplify you know um and i think that's really special because a lot of artists like absolutely wouldn't choose to do that or like wouldn't think about that you know right yeah no that yeah that was an important thing that like it was it it kind of showed me just kind of the reception of like how how many how many applications we got to from that grant for the um for the the work grant we called it um Right. It was it was it was amazing. Like and I think in Canada, too, we're really lucky because we have an amazing grant system. And that's like a huge way that I've been able to stay unsigned and independent as an artist because I've been able to access a lot of grants. Mm -hmm. But also early on in my career, that was like because I would write my own grants to try and, you know, get money to fund my projects or whatever it was. And that was like a huge way, just the process of writing grants and having to articulate my mission was like a really helpful part of figuring out what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, unfortunately, obviously we could only give so much money out to, you know, it it ended up being two people that we gave the money to, but Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, it's a helpful process for anyone to like be inspired to be like, Oh, that's so cool. Like there's a grant that I could get, you know, right? let me go for it and try and like write this proposal. And I think in that process, it helps you develop your ideas. So yeah. No, a hundred percent. I love that the, I don't know, the Canadian government is more set up to per, perhaps support the arts in a way that feels particularly distinct from the U.S. But totally. um, on that note, are there, well, I mean, I don't know if this is a secret. We've been chit-chatting, but are there any other projects in this kind of spirit that are <laughs> in the works that you can possibly share about? Yeah, there is. I, It's tough. It, it's still, we're still figuring out all yeah. of the like... Say what you can and yeah. we'll leave the rest. Yeah, I mean, so basically in Toronto, you know, rent is like super, super expensive in Toronto now to basically an un- unlivable place. It's the, it's the same, if not more expensive as New York now. Wow. wow. Um, and so as a result, there's like very few creative spaces. You know, there's not a lot of good venues there's not not a lot of studios and um I don't know when I think about how to give back to the community that you know when I was coming up there were spaces and there were Mm -hmm. more there was more like opportunity to yeah occupy spaces that had creative energy and tools or whatever um and so I really am yeah in the process of figuring out a way to use a space totally. that I have that I have access to um, and figuring out a way to like make that um, a, a, a creative hub for yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Repurposing spaces, turning yeah. them into, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is also amazing too, because I, I don't know if there will be any sort of like mentorship element or whatever, but I just watching you as an, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, composer. Like, I'm so shook. Like, seeing your uh, performance at uh, Music Hall of Williamsburg, you go from, like, playing the keys to playing the guitar to playing the sax and, like, all the while still singing and not missing a breath. Like, how? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it's been, it's been years. It's been years of me doing doing that and I started like I said earlier in the conversation like I started 
by I had a band when I was in university. That's how I started performing. And it was like mm -hmm. basically a party band. And we just like played <laughs> like funk covers. But that really gave me the like chops. We, we played like a hundred shows one year. You know, it was oh crazy. Um, you know, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, like mm -hmm. for a very like dedicated and supportive community of people who were just hyped to see anything that you did. You know, like there was <laughs> yeah. basically no criticism ever in that city. So it was... It was a really kind of like, yeah, a, a, a supportive place to start performing. And um, yeah, I played, I like, I studied saxophone in university for like a year and then dropped out because I like could not, <laughs> I could not be in, um, in the practice like rooms, which are basically like windowless Oh, scary yeah. rooms that's so yep mm -hmm. yeah I couldn't do it my I had no, I also just like my focus I didn't have the focus for it so um I dropped out of that but um so I more was just like performing a lot and figuring out how to like multitask and play all the different instruments that I know and you know like I'm I'm I know my way around these instruments but I'm not in and in no way am I like <laughs> a, a virtuoso on any of them so <laughs> I'm just, I'm really good at like, I think I know enough to, to feel like I have them as tools and that I can like execute my vision, but mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. able to like, anyway, I have limitations on, on these instruments. So like, yeah, I'm glad that it comes across as like me being like at ease playing all these <laughs> instruments, but it's like, it takes a lot of practice for me to get to that place. And yeah, I practice a lot. And then I, and it then shows. I just, it shows. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> And then I just, and then I, you know, get my parts down and yeah, it's a, it takes a lot of like, yeah, basically like composing and then practicing and then, mm -hmm. and then executing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I see such a distinct, you know, curiosity in the way that you approach instruments. Like, I'm like, wow, like she really loves music. She really loves instruments. <laughs> and it's so apparent that you're putting in the work because that's not an easy thing to do. You're like, it's you're you're singing you're carrying the whole show and you're not getting winded like I'm just like how can you play a saxophone that requires so much breath and then sing like I'm just like I'm just like fangirling over here anyways <laughs> no no it's all good but honestly it's from years of like being like you know drunk in these like nasty bars and like also like I used to smoke a lot and I would be yeah. like you know winded by my lungs but then still like figuring out how to use my diaphragm and being like I would mm -hmm. play I would play way more saxophone before and I would kind of like I would just be like honking into that thing like not playing well but just like giving it every last ounce of breath that I have and then yes. hopping over to the vocal mic and like singing my part and then back to the saxophone so like what I do now on stage is like basically nothing compared to like what I used to put my lungs and body through basically <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, the endurance of it all. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, very, very excitingly, um, exciting to announce, you are nominated for both songwriter and producer of the year for your song, I Can Only Whisper, with Bad, Bad, Not Good, who are also Canadian. Am I right? They're Canadian? Yeah, they are. Okay. And then you're also nominated in the R&B slash soul category in this year's 2022 Juno Awards. Amazing, amazing. For any uh, non-Canadian listeners, the Junos, well, the Juniors are just like a big music award uh, that ha like the biggest music award that happened in 
uh, in Canada now? Yeah, it's basically, you know, it's like, it's like the Canadian Grammys, which right. it didn't used to really mean anything or like, you know, not to discredit them as an organization because <laughs> it's been important for a long time, but yeah. it's way more, it's a bit more meaningful now that there are so many Canadian, like massive Canadian Huge. artists, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so yeah. many of the top like billboard artists are Canadian now. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a bit more of a, like a competitive um, it's a more competitive award to to get. So um, yeah, and yeah. Sorry, I think I think my nomination is producer of the year, but not for I can only whisper. I think it's just producer of the of the year of the year. Oh, amazing! Okay, like, I excuse. Don't, I, I think that, and then I think songwriter. I think they're just general categories. I don't think they're general, for that okay. song. Yeah, got I, it. I was I'm, like reading through, correct. trying to understand because there was like certain. I was like. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get it right and and make sure I'm honoring you the right way. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. Yeah, okay. I think it goes producer of the year, songwriter of the year, and then R and B recording of the year for the song "Take Care of You" with Sid. Ah, um, oh yeah. my god, I that's that song is so special. <laughs> I literally, I remember when uh, it was you, Bambi, Nino, Tish, all the Canadian crew came for Gush. And you're standing on this, like, box crate. Like, something we, like, makeshift. Yeah. And the red, like, sexy red lighting microphone. And it's you just, like, crooning to this audience of, like, cuties who know every single word to the song. <laughs> and, like, that like that song is honestly transformative for me. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was actually the first time that I ever performed that song live. Like, because that was before. Are you serious? Yeah, I, like, I didn't realize it. And then I thought about it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, people are singing this song back at me that was the first time that I'd had that moment so yeah that was actually really special and especially for a room full of like queers and lesbians you know what I mean it was amazing exactly oh that gush was oh my god the energy like people were like crying like it was like kind of yeah yeah it was special that's even more amazing to know that was the first time that you sang it live that's crazy Mm -hmm. okay um okay so speaking of collaborators you've collaborated with many many amazing notable artists Sid Daniel Caesar, Bad Bad Not Good, Drake, et cetera, et cetera. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, your style as a collaborator and what it's been like to work um, yeah, with different artists? Yeah, um, I think I'm, it's funny because like, like I said earlier, I spend, I, I mean, I make most of my music alone um, mm-hmm. in my own like home studio, which now I'm blessed to say that I have a home studio, but before I used to make, um, <laughs> I used to make my music in basically like this like part of my parents' house that was not meant to be a room. It's like <laughs> it's like only like seven feet high, and I would have to oh like duck God, to go in me. there. But it was the only place that I had um, when that that didn't have like people. Like I always had roommates, and my parents would go to work during the day, so I would like take the subway to their house and then go, and I just set up all my stuff in this little room. Anyway. That's all to say that like I I prefer making music alone for the mm-hmm. most part. I like the healthy balance of collaborating with other people though. So like when I do do sessions and whatever, it kind of like reinvigorates my own. It gives me new ideas. It helps. It helps. It gives me new tools. Like I see how other people work, and it and then I kind of. But my favorite thing is to bring it back to my own space and mm. work alone. Work alone. I don't know. It's just my like little safe yeah. special space. Um, 
So in fact, a lot of the collaborating that I do is remote, actually, because oh, I find that yeah. I do I do my best work when I can like completely focus alone. And I'm a little bit of like socially, like I think of all of the dynamics in a room. So if I'm yeah. like, it kind of takes me out of the art and the music if I'm thinking about like social dynamics in a room totally. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I do find that I can like focus and be the most genuine with the art when I'm like alone. But yeah, but I do, um, I do love, yeah, I love getting into the space with people as well. But I find that if there's like a nice balance between like we do some work together in a space, but then we also know that we can like kind of continue it remotely or like start it remotely and then take it to the space together afterwards, then yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of what's best for Interesting. me. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What's your um what's your sign? I'm an Aries. Oh, happy Aries season, baby. Yep. Oh yes. <laughs> this actually totally checks out in your hearing about your work ethic and how you like to work alone. I'm thinking of all the other areas. I know I'm like, oh yes. Really? A hundred percent, yeah. Okay, yeah, good to I know. I think this is an Aries trait. Hmm. <laughs> um, ooh, what are you listening to right now? <sighs> right <laughs> now, I've been like, because I've been like in the, in the like sprinter van quite a bit. And I, I don't know, because like we spend a lot of time with loud music in our ears. I'm like trying to not listen to a ton to like not fatigue my ears. But mm-hmm. um, when I am in the van, I've been listening to a lot of Bach because I don't know there's something like really that I feel like really romantic about listening to Bach looking at the the scenes of America go by I don't know what it is Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and then but I also the other night after a show I like listened to Continuum by John Mayer again and I that was like a really formative record for me growing Mm. up and now I'm like I don't know why I'm like really back in that record right now um yeah that's a yeah I think because also like I I never really took in the lyrics of that album all that much it was always about the full scope of the music and how it moved me but I've been like focusing in on the lyrics and yeah yeah it's amazing no that makes total sense because you're such I mean, you're like a, you're a genius songwriter. So I feel like lyrically, it's interesting to study. I don't know, just to like, yeah, deep listen to, to, I don't know, other people's musics. Yeah. Who or whom is your dream collaborator right now? If you could. You know, I really, so James Blake like sampled one of my songs. But that's right. That's right. I really, really want to get in the room with him and work. Um, yeah. Like he's someone that, and it also doesn't feel that far fetched to be able to make that happen. You know, no, maybe totally. that's wishful thinking, but I, I really want to work with him. Who else? I think I, I would love to, I'm kind of in this place right now where like, basically I, I want to start producing for other people, um, mm, other artists nice. more. And I'm like, kind of like coming to terms with the fact that I like really I love hip-hop the most like I feel like that's like the genre that I listen to the most and um I really like the process I like love hip-hop sessions like I think Mm -hmm, that they're mm -hmm. I think they're really interesting and completely different from how I normally work you Mm -hmm. know it's like way faster pace it's like more of a like social environment and I'm like I you know, I've been doing a few sessions um, when I'm in L.A. of like 
working with like hip hop producers or rappers and I really I really like kind of being like the like musical person in those rooms um because a lot of the time there's like someone who plays instruments but then there's like the beat maker and then there's Mm -hmm. the whatever and I spend a lot of time making basically like samples which could be flipped and like whatever manipulated to be like hip-hop samples and then whatever so so I really like um I I basically like dream collaborators right now would just be like more like rappers and like hip-hop producers Mm. I guess because I I just Mm -hmm. really I don't know that flow that workflow it's so fast and like I, I don't know it's pretty it's just refreshing for me because a lot of my process is like deeply um drawn out Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I yeah. spend like eight hours on like one chord progression and just like humming <laughs> over it, you know, whatever it is. So it's yeah. like, it's nice to get into these like really fast paced environments that are more about like the moment than, mm-hmm. um, than doing something with like the most like beauty and intention, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 That's so yeah. true. Um, so on that note, what was it like working with Drake? What was that team like? I mean, so that was, that was done, that was an interesting process. It was this producer named OZ. He, um, he sampled my song Mm -hmm. and then like made the beat. Um, and then I only, you know, I only found out once I heard, like, once we got like an email just saying like, Oh my God. Wild. Yeah. Just saying like, you know, here we're clearing this sample that we used of Charlotte and then like they sent the song and it's just wild because, you know, Drake is like, Drake is honestly my favorite artist. Like, I, and then that's a very, that's a very controversial and like very de- divisive thing to say, but I own it like, and a big part of it is because I actually like, I, which I don't really talk about that much. But my cousin is Drake's manager. Like his name is Oliver oh. Elkatib and he, he, I grew up, around like watching the rise of my cousin working with Drake and becoming like, you know, the most, like the biggest artist in the world. And that started when I was in high school and it was so inspiring for me. And it showed me that like, you can do it. You know what I mean? But all that to say, like my cousin, he's been a supportive person emotionally and he's been able to kind of like give me pep talks when I need, but like, he's, we've never like, we've never worked together in that capacity. He's never given me any handouts or been like, come to the room and like work mm-hmm. with Drake. It's like, so this happened without my cousin, which was kind of like really special because it was just this producer who sampled it and then showed Drake. And then Drake, I think, you know, Drake knows me like we've met. And that was, I think because he knew that like, I'm a Toronto artist, like, exactly. I, mean, I, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to speak for him and what, why he chose to like use that but I feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. like maybe that had something to do with the fact that like that song ended up you know making it but um but it was pretty special because there was also like on I think it was More Life or Views I can't remember which album but they were I was like I was sampled on another song that didn't end up making it like oh. two pro- two projects ago and I was devastated. You're right. So, You're like, yes. <laughs> so like so for this one to come around and happen was like it was pretty amazing. And yeah, like 
that's the soundtrack to my city. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Drake is no, just exactly. Drake is just what what gets played. So it's like when that song came out, you know, like everyone had it in their cars, and it was just like, oh. yeah, it was awesome. Ooh, okay, maybe we can talk about fashion a little bit, just because you're a little bit my style icon. And I know you're always like, LOL, I have a stylist, like I'm getting dressed by like friends and whoever, but can you speak a little bit about how, um, yeah, you use fashion to express yourself, what styles you like, um, what embarrassing trends you used to wear and grew out of, um, yeah, just, just fashion style. Um, I mean, I have not had a a stylist until literally like two months ago so so literally for the outfit okay got it i've never i've (laughs) never worked like i've had for like whatever if i'm doing a shoot and there's a stylist that's hired to do it but i've never had my own stylist so i've been very like i've yeah whatever but i i um style is a weird one because yeah it's just like i i think yeah i've definitely grown (laughs) in and out of a lot of nasty (laughs) nasty trends and I think in that I've learned to not really adhere to trends you know and like um I think I pick up on trends pretty early on and I see them and I have this like desire to give in and be like yeah me too but then then I'm like resist 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 and then like you know whatever two three months later everyone's wearing it and I'm like thank god I wasn't doing that but then I do get (laughs) but anyway obviously like you know I have I have this conversation with a friend of mine um, often where like, I think, and it's not just in fashion, it's in music, it's in everything. Like, I think there's a certain amount of being on trend that's like healthy and good for business, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I think it's like about finding this the sweet spot of, you know, seeing the trends and being able to like understand them and knowing where you're where like being ahead of the curve is one thing and I think a lot of people love to be like really ahead of the curve and like completely disregard trends but like it kind of hinders the ability to connect with like the mass you know it's like and I think in some ways I like to know where is like ahead but then like find my place like just in the middle of like not quite on trend but not quite ahead but somewhere in between (laughs) and like you know I think for the most part with my like style though, I'm pretty like basic. Like I just like, I like, I like like classic things. I like things that make my body look good because it's like hard to find things that like fit me really well, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I, when I find the right things, I lean into those. Um, And I'm pretty like utility based too. I like, I like things that like, I'm like, I like cargos. (laughs) Because I'm a lesbian and because they <laughs> and because they make sense and I need things in my pockets. So, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I love utility clothes, too. Also, I was going to say, yeah, I feel like all of the looks I've seen you wear fit your body perfectly. You know what I mean? And that's a hard thing to do. Most people wear things that are like not exactly their size unless you're someone who like gets, I don't know, gets everything tailored or has a really good eye. But I feel like, yeah, I've been thinking about clothes and the comfort of clothes like especially living in a pandemic I feel like like leisure wear has become very like actually every single high schooler I've seen in New York has been wearing like pajama pants to school every day and I'm like okay like okay interesting but yeah I think there's something to be said about like 
obviously feeling really good, but also looking really good. And like, I think, you know, clothes bring out a certain level of confidence. So I can imagine as a performer, that's important. That's your armor. That's your, you know, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The the show that I the show that I did um in Brooklyn, I was wearing um an outfit by Christopher Esber, who um was like so sweet to give us that um some clothes for the tour. And yeah. um I was saying to Milani Sanchez is who like who I'm working with on styling and creative direction mm-hmm. now and she she made that connection and you know, she's so in tune with like how clothes can empower an artist on stage. And it was crazy because like, I felt that was one of my most confident shows and it was because I mm. loved the, out- the outfit so yeah. much, you know, and I felt yeah, comfortable yeah. in it. And I just remember afterwards being like, wow, like what a difference, like knowing that like everything, cause they had that tailored to my body. So it's like, right. Exactly. Yes. That mm-hmm. like just feeling like, you know, cause Anyway, so yeah, um, it definitely makes a big difference, and I wish we could all have clothes just tailored perfectly to our bodies, you know what I mean? I know, let's live in a world with that. (laughs) Everyone looking exactly fitted to the clothes, yeah. Yeah. I I struggled with that a lot, that's why I was like, huh, it like really Mm. stood out. Um, mm, Okay, um... This is kind of like, it's a boring question because I'm interested what you think, but what are your biggest hopes and biggest critiques for the music industry as we move forward into the future? Hmm. I mean, I think something that like has been ingrained as just that's the way it is that really just never sat right with me and still doesn't sit right with me that really needs to change is the way that artists get paid um, for their work um, on recordings. So like a lot of the time it's like, unless you are an established songwriter or producer, you aren't like you, your negotiating power is like Mm -hmm. not, it's not significant unless you've already established yourself as one of those Mm -hmm, things. So mm -hmm. like, you know, if you, for whatever reason, get in the room and you're like writing on a um, whatever, someone kind of like bigs, song like your ability to negotiate and get the percentage that you deserve based on like how much work you did is is non-existent so like right um that never sat right with me um and then so that I feel like that I don't know how that would change but it definitely needs to um (laughs) right and then yeah, so I guess that's a hope and a critique, but... Right, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many things wrong with the music industry. Like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I um, know. Loaded question. It's loaded, but but yeah, that's that kind of jumped out at me. What else? I think the, like, yeah, I think the, the fact that there's, like, basically no women producers... Um, who are work like there's a lot of women producers who work on their own music, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a real lack of like women in the production realm who are you know doing cross genre production for right. other artists. Like there's so few, and um, it's like it's like the worst industry for that. I'm pretty sure. Like it's worse than the film industry. It's worse than whatever. Mm. I can't. I don't remember the stats, but I've definitely seen. Um, 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that's something that's um, that needs to change, and something that I'm really interested in because I think that there's no, yeah, there's just no real like. Um, I don't really have like a. There's no one who's like been my idol in that way and I feel like that's a problem because yeah Mm -hmm. it's like we have the Rick Rubens and the like whatever that like men can look to as these kind of like oracle producers who like have done all these different genres and I have like amazing friends too that I'm that are mentors of mine like Frank Dukes is like a really important mentor of mine who has produced for so many different kinds of artists in different levels of success in different genres and um we there's just no women who who do that as well so I think that's like you know something that I'm like that that really needs to change um yeah yeah Yeah, the role modelship that's so it's so true it's like I say actually the same thing similarly for in the curatorial field I'm like where are the women curators where are the women of color curators mm-hmm. where the black curators like it, it's the mm-hmm. same you know yeah you need to see it to for some like 12 year old to be like that could be me you know exactly like, yeah e- exactly totally. um oh how would you compare the music communities between um toronto and new york i don't really know if i know the new york like mm. music community well enough yet. I feel like I'm starting to see it a little bit as I spend more time in New York, but... Um, yeah. Oh, you also spend some time in LA too, but I guess perhaps that's a growing relationship as well. I mean, yeah, I spend a lot of time in LA. I, I definitely prefer New York to LA. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, I think the nice thing about like Toronto is that because now there are so many people who have come out of there and spend time um, in in the States, it's like, I always have a family no matter where yeah. I am. And people from Toronto really look out for each other when you're in other cities. And it's the kind of thing where like, no matter what party or session or like event or whatever you're at, you'll see someone who's like a successful producer or artist or whatever from Toronto. And like, we always like have the moment, yo, how are you doing? You know, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, great to see you, you know, just, it doesn't even matter if you know each other or not. It's just this like handshake recognition, like, Hey, yeah, we're good. Like, and it's just, there's, like, a comfort there of of that. And I think it's, like, this this thing of, you know, we've kind of overcome a lot to be able to be in those spaces, being mm-hmm. Canadian. And so it's, like, because, you know, it takes a lot to break out of Canada. Um, yeah. I mean, from, like, visa shit alone, I'm just, literally. like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. like, there's this kind of, like, common, like, you know, good for you. You've worked hard, you know, what you know, whatever other factors at play that like help you get into those rooms like it's just uh yeah it's it's nice you know me and Mustafa were like at this party recently and we were just like we were surrounded by like Kardashians and like whoever whatever and we were just like we just like looked at each other we're like it's just so funny that we're here right now but like he <laughs> he was just like he was like no do you know how amazing it is like being from where we're from and being able to like break into these spaces like maybe they're not like the most meaningful but it's still significant that we're here you know so Mm -hmm. it was like you know there's just this like this little um you know underdog underdog made it mentality you know 
Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely love that. And I agree. It's funny because my next question was going to be like, how do you define success? But I feel like you kind of talked about it in that answer, that like support, that feeling seen, that visibility, that like making it um, into those rooms. So I actually, I mean, do you, do you have more? Do you want to speak on your relationship to how you understand and define success for yourself? I think for me, I've always, for me, yes, success has always just been being recognized and respected by the people who I recognize and respect and the people whose music I grew up on and the music that like influences me, you know, today. So being, it's like, those are the moments that I'm like, oh shit, this is like significant. You know, I've done something. If that person knows who I am and like tells me that they like my music, that's a full circle. And I can't even really grasp that in in the way that makes me just feel overwhelmed with like gratitude, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's an amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually my last question that I ask all of my guests is to please tell me a secret. Um, and I'll preface this because everyone's always like, oh, what am I going to say? This can be, you know, like a straight up secret. This can be a, a hidden talent. This can be a childhood hobby. It could be, I don't know, funny. Like, it, t- take it as you will. My my secret is that, like, ultimately, <laughs> I wish I wish I was a pro athlete. That's really... <gasps> Yeah, that's like, I think, I think that I'll always feel a little bit like, um, like, I'll I'll always feel a slightly wanting of, of, and jealous of the pro athletes out there. I'm, I'm just, that was like my life before music was sports. And, and I'm so obsessed with like, you know, women's tennis, hockey, basketball. Like that's what I spend most of my spare time doing when I have like downtime. It's like, I'm watching sports and (laughs) I feel like there's this like cliche, like musicians wish they were athletes and athletes wish they were musicians. Mm, uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's definitely, I have that. <laughs> I think, you know, I was looking at the picture of you with what, LeBron James. You're like sitting oh, yeah. courtside, <laughs> like living your best life. True Truly. sporty girl. Well, yeah. I think that's true. That I mean, because I think it's similar, like music and sports. It's like this really intense training and endurance and being on the road. Like it's actually quite, yeah, I, I see that. Sure. Yeah, totally. So, so what sport? Tennis. I saw you're playing tennis everywhere along the tour you can find a little court yeah Yeah, tennis (laughs) tennis is my like more my my more recent obsession and I definitely yeah I started playing in during the pandemic and now I've become obsessed with it and I'm like I have to be best at it um and I'm definitely getting there but I need some proper training um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, basketball I wish I was better at basketball I'm pretty I'm pretty okay but like it's I love that sport so much. <laughs> Me too. That's the what I feel like I'm just horrifically terrible at every single one except for basketball. Nice. And so this summer, let's go. Let's, Yo, let's get so a little down. pickup crew. <laughs> I'm so down. That's all I want to do, especially when I'm traveling. I just I'm like, who can I play sports with to make me feel like normal and healthy and like I'm yeah. at home? Yeah. And in your body too. Yeah. I think it's like as we age, literally like we forget to stretch to touch our toes, to, yeah. like, move, like, it's, like, hello. <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh, well, Charlotte, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been an absolute honor. Amazing conversation. Like we're just I two hope friends so. chit-chatting. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Cultured Magazine podcast, Points of View. We look forward to bringing you exciting interviews with artists and their visions for the future every month. Thank you to the podcast team for making this happen. To our editor, Alex De Palma, our sound engineer, Lars Probert, our theme music by Color Plus and Cultured Magazine. Yeah.